Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist about dating, relationships, culture in 2022. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about pregnancy. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, Eliza is pregnant. So congratulations, Eliza. Uh, this will be coming out in the first week of May. So you'd be about six months in. Is that correct? Six yeah. months, yeah. two thirds of the yeah. way there. It's a, it's a boy and uh, it's very exciting. So uh, congratulations. And uh, we're going to be talking about well, what it's like, first of all, for you and what you're actually going through, but also how can a partner best support someone um, who is pregnant and uh, what sort of strategies can they employ? Uh, how should they react? Should they just try and be totally supportive and be very forgiving, especially if, uh, you know, the, the pregnant person's being hormonal and things like that, or should they still be calling that sort of behavior out? Uh, it be very interesting to hear what you have to say on, on that. But uh, before we get into that, this podcast is sponsored by Crush Organics, crushorganics.com. That's Crush with a K. Go to crushorganics.com. They have a massive range of CBD oil products. Follow them on Instagram as well. Um, I've been using their platinum oil for a long time now. Works a treat. Great way to relax, great way to chill out, great way to help you sleep. So go to crushorganics.com, crush with a K. Use the code Neil. You get 40% off. And we're coming into winter, all right? Inflation, petrol's through the roof. <laughs> People still got cracks and yeah. leaks from all the rain. So, you know, get some, get some CBD oil. Relax. Listen to this podcast. What a better way to end your day, okay? crushorganics.com use the code neil i do shows all across the east coast melbourne sydney brisbane western sydney and newcastle comedyuntamed.com there's improv there's special guests there's line games there's a dj with a one comedy show in the country with a got a dj he's playing tunes before the show during the break it's australia's wildest comedy show go to comedyuntamed.com and I always get a lot of people who come up after the show saying they're avid listeners of the podcast. So thank you guys very much. Really appreciate that. Uh, subscribe to this podcast as well. Send in a topic. We'll answer your topic. We'll answer your questions. We'll give you a shout out. Shout out to $5 a month. Topics are 15 and sorry, questions are 15. Topics are, I believe, uh, 40 a month, 50 a month, something like that. And all the money goes straight to the life you can save charity so thank you to uh, all our subscribers if you've been subscribed for longer than a year you can send in another question or topic or shout out now so um, there's a few people now who it has been over a year and send them through neil.business at outlook.com all right pregnancy something i'm not going to be talking much on this podcast so <laughs> what's it like what's it uh oh, yeah. it's been six months now Give us an insight. Yeah, it's been, it's it's exciting, but it's been like, I think quite scary for the most part. I think everything, every complication that you have is truly um, terrifying. And I actually don't know if I told you this, I, I might've, I, I don't know. But um, right before I fell pregnant, which was in um, early December, um, in November, I actually was pregnant and had a miscarriage. Oh. Um, and I actually had a miscarriage on the night that I got engaged, which was like the wow. biggest roller coaster of my life, I'm sure you can imagine. So I think that um, it's, you know, it's not, it's very sad, obviously, and it was really sad while it was happening, um, but it wasn't so like, you know, I didn't fuck up my life because it was so early on. So I was only like maybe seven weeks pregnant, just under two months. And what was interesting or funny is that I had to keep going back to get blood tests to prove that, you know, the I no longer had the pregnancy hormone and that's how they determine that once it's back to zero, you're no longer, you're officially no longer pregnant. So I had to get blood tests like every two days after my miscarriage. And the last time I went, it was like the end of November 
And the nurse just put her hand on my shoulder and she was like, don't worry. Everyone gets pregnant in December. And two weeks later, I was pregnant again. So that was um, a funny little magical twist nurse. of fate. And interestingly, yeah, it was so like reassuring. I was like, went home and I was like, don't worry, we just get pregnant again. <laughs> uh, it's just the nurse yeah, wow. told me. That was, very, that was actually <laughs> um, but it worked. not long yeah. after. Um... Yeah. And then I had read all these books and listen to all these podcasts that basically said like you know you, the mindset that you have and the what you're going through in that moment so severely impacts your ability to fall pregnant and maintain a pregnancy so i remember the first time i was pregnant in november i was so so stressed at work like i had so much going on i was in all these court proceedings uh, I was really overwhelmed and I didn't know I was pregnant, but I had a lot of concerns about like my reproductive health. And I thought that I might be like have infertility issues. And I was so like, just like all over the place that it actually wasn't that surprising. I think it makes sense why my pregnancy failed because it was, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't in a good enough mindset maybe so, to maintain it um which is a thing that's really fascinating what mm. uh in those books what's the what's the science behind that is it just the extra cortisol or that it's just the stress and then so your, your body is like yeah, oh this person's just, going through too much it's not the right time for for them to have a child is that the sort of thing that literally yeah fascinating that's so yeah. that's incredible um, that uh yeah. Your body interprets that that a fetus wouldn't be able wow. to survive um, through. And that's, you know, unfortunately why women can lose, you know, especially women that are in violent situations and things like that. Violence aside, just the stress alone, you can lose your baby. Like, you know, where I am six months into a pregnancy still, if you're just under that much stress, your body just tries to excel it and just says, oh, expel it. <laughs> and thinks, you know, this is not viable. So then it kind of adds another level of stress that you have to be not yeah. stressed. Gosh. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so so then hard. I guess the first very clear lesson for any uh, partner um, caring for someone who's pregnant is to keep them stress-free. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that understanding that, people aside from that one time i literally did fall pregnant like two weeks afterwards but typically on average i would always thought that people fall pregnant really quickly um and that you know you just try once or twice and then you get pregnant like on average it takes six to 18 months to get pregnant um so and that's trying to conceive every single month you know in the week of ovulation so it's not as easy to actually fall pregnant as people realize. And I think that that's something that I would emphasize that men in particular need to understand because they're like, oh my God, we've been at it for five months and you haven't like fallen pregnant. What's the matter kind of thing. Whereas really it's just that every single month there's like a 30% chance if you have sex during your ovulation that you'll fall pregnant. So your chances don't increase over time. It's just every single month it's a 30% chance which is really interesting and kind of shit for a lot of people, I guess, that I've been waiting. But no one seems to know that. No one seems to know a lot of things that have been coming up that everyone was like, I, even my friends, women, are like, I had no idea that happens. Or What are some, what are some other like, things that even, even your friends were surprised about? Uh, a lot of the things, there's a lot of changes to your yeah, body okay. that are gross. All right. Well, yeah, um, you know, you don't have to go into any that way. major detail there. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll go for like the one that's gross, but like least gross to speak about publicly. And it hasn't yet happened to me. Um, but one of the biggest changes, like most obvious aside from, you know, your belly growing is um, some women become really hairy. Oh. That hasn't happened to me, thankfully. Um, but all women get massive nipples okay i have <laughs> and, heard of that one yeah. um they go massive and they go really dark um so that's that's an interesting part that i've Is yet that, to experience a think, comedian once made a joke about that i think she was yeah. she was pregnant and, and she's saying as a joke it's a it's just like for the yeah. babies to see where the bullseye is i mean is that actually that's actually what it it's is okay for yeah, that reason that's, that's yeah 
Yeah. And then when you stop breastfeeding, it goes back mostly to normal. Uh, so isn't that so wild that, that yeah, those Do you become hairy just, <laughs> you know, on your whereabouts are we talking? Like just... A lot of people get a lot of hair on oh. their stomach. Um, so that's interesting. Um, when you see a lot of pregnant women, especially women of color, have a line down their stomach, a dark line, that's not hair. That's just another random thing that pops up is that you just have this black line down your entire stomach. Um, I don't have that either, thankfully. Well, not thankfully. I mean, it's sometimes it's nice, sometimes it's cute, but a lot of women hate having that. Um, but I've had a lot of other shitty side effects of pregnancy. So you win some and you lose some. You know- like um, for no, me, you go, I think... You go the, on. Yeah. I was going to say the worst part, like where I never got severe morning sickness, which was lucky, but I got like extremely rapid weight gain, which sucked. Um, and that's been a, like a challenging part to cope with. Um, definitely like how even this morning, like I've only just started getting hormonal. A lot of women, you know how they say like pregnant women and the hormones you experience are so severe. Like they're going to be, it's going to be like you're dating a different person or you're married to a different person. And Adrian kept getting told that at our ultrasounds, like, look, you have to be really conscious and aware that eventually, you know, the hormones are going to kick in and she's going to be, you know, really need to support her, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, it's been easy. She's been fine. And then literally this morning, I just started crying because I look so gross with my hair up in a turban. When I got out of the shower, I made like a towel turban. And then I was like, look at me. <laughs> just started crying and he was so confused. Um, but you know, here we are. The pregnancy okay. hormones are here. Six months in. Fair enough. Happy days. Yeah, which I guess is a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm jealous that it only you only got it in the second half rather than one week in. But, so are you, is the weight gain due to, do you think, is it is it just sort of a side effect of the pregnancy or is it because you're uh, eating more because the baby's eating? Uh, look, I'm a to- I have no idea what I'm talking about here, but like, <laughs> yeah. Like, eating for two. <laughs> what's uh, <laughs> What is it? Well, what's really interesting is, well, first of all, actually, you have 40 to 50% more blood pumping through your body than you do when you're not pregnant. Um, So the most, by far the worst side effect of pregnancy for me has been feeling like so fucking hot all the time um, because of this extra blood. And because of that, your skin stretches really fast. So you can get stretch marks really early on before your belly even grows. And one of the first things when I had a midwife appointment, she told me was your back will get really fat. Like, just don't worry, it goes, but you get a layer of fat down Whoa. your whole back. <laughs> I was like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah, that happened to me before I even started getting my belly in. So that was like really fucking weird um but that's just a survival mechanism that your your body thinks you know after i give birth i have to be able to survive as long as i possibly can um without you know in case i don't have access to resources and you expecting i'll be immobile so everything's just stored Mm, for birth which of course then makes your your boobs also go like giant like my boobs i i won't go into too many details but they are so massive now it's the size of two of my heads basically it's disturbing and not in a hot way <laughs> it's not <Okay>. sexy <laughs> it's just disturbing yeah so okay that's, um, yeah well that's fun huh? um <laughs> it's fun for the women that don't have boobs i've heard they're like oh my god i've got giant boobs for the first time but if you already have big boobs H- how long before they luck. go um, in general before <laughs> things go back to normal well, so they stay massive and then right before you give birth, they get even bigger um, yeah. to feed because they get, you know, all the milk comes in. Uh, milk only comes in like right after you give birth, like sometimes a couple of days after. And so then they like go even bigger um, and then they stay big as long as you're breastfeeding. And then once all the milk is, you know, you you finish breastfeeding or whatever after like a year or two or you're trying for another child and you stop breastfeeding, then your boobs just sag because they've been so stretched out and engorged and now there's nothing filling them anymore. So they don't go back to normal. Oh, They'll never okay. look the same. Um, 
Yeah. So I should have told Adrian that like before they started getting massive, like take a good look because they'll never look the same, yeah. but I might do that later just, <laughs> just in case. But Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah it's been fits. And, it's and how's all, how have all um, your friends and family reacted to, to it? Did, did they sort of, you know, did they know you were, you were trying or anything like that? Or was it a shock to all of them? Or uh, how was it like telling them as well? Like what, it, how was all that process like? Um, well, the first time I told my best friend, two of my best friends, I was actually crying because I had just, I went to Kayama for over New Year's Eve um, and I didn't know I was pregnant there. I was over a month pregnant. And um, when I got back um from Kayama the friend I'd gone with the day we came home said we've just tested positive for COVID and I had the biggest meltdown because COVID is so um so risky in pregnancy and you know it has a lot of impact on your baby and you know potential massive risks to your baby and having just had like a miscarriage two months prior, I was so scared. So I just was crying and crying. And I called my friend and was like, if I have COVID, I might lose another baby and I can't do that again, etc." So oh, okay. that was my <laughs> introduction. Yeah. And then I kept telling Adrian, like, you know, let's not get too emotionally invested until we're in the second trimester, which is like three months in. And then we can start telling people. And then he just told his mom. Um, like five weeks in and I was like, Fuck. so you, and I was like, my mom's going to kill me if she knew that your mom knew and my mom didn't know. So then I told my mom and basically, and then I told you yeah. <laughs> really early on as well. Um, and that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. How exciting. Yeah. So uh, what should, uh, <laughs> yes. what, what are some things that a partner should know if, uh, when they, when they, when their partner gets pregnant? What are some uh, some tips, some words of advice? I think that for any partner, they have to realize that, you know, this is an experience in your life that in or in your, you know, in the woman's life or the pregnant person's life that is so huge. And even though it's very natural and organic and we're all here because of this, the amount of like changes to your body, the hormones, the changes to your identity as well. And you feel shit all the time, basically. Like I have just been in such chronic pain, like my whole pregnancy, like that's been really hard. So just understanding that it's not going to be an easy thing and it's going to take you know nine months and then you have to heal for two, two, three months afterwards. And then you have a newborn baby. Like, you know, it's a lot of support is required and adrian um actually he's been really really good uh my whole pregnancy and like you know really looking after me and stuff like this but what was interesting is he went to see his so he sees a counselor every couple of months a psychologist actually and um who's a guy who's in his 30s like really young kind of like adrian also a young dad and um he Basically, Adrian had to see him in order to get on to like anti-anxiety medication last year. And then Adrian did the meds for like two months, went off, but then sees this guy every three months as a check-in. And he just did his check-in. He told him like, I'm pregnant or whatever. And this guy, like basically the entire session, the psych was like talking Adrian through like, you're going to feel exhausted. You're going to feel tired you're gonna feel overwhelmed at times but i'll tell you it is not it is not even 10 percent compared to what she is currently enduring you need to do this you need to do that gave him all these books like really like hounded it into him about how much like support is um required because one of the interesting parts i think of pregnancy is actually i've been feeling like insecure for the first time ever about things in my relationship, like about the way I look and things like that. And really just being like, oh my God, like if if something happened in my relationship now, like I'd be fucked. Like I'm halfway through a pregnancy, imagine that. Like, and then I've also been having these, like, like I was telling you before, like I having these crazy vivid dreams, um, which is very common in pregnancy. And I can't tell 
ever what's real or what's not. Like before I was talking to um, Neil and thought that um, he'd uploaded the cute photo of him and his girlfriend, but I dreamt it. Um, and I've been having those dreams fucking constantly where I have, my friends have said something to me and I dreamt it. Or I had a fight with Adrian, but it was all a dream. And then I'm like, I can't wow. remember like what's real or not. And it's so trippy because a lot of the time I have dreamt that um, like obviously being pregnant, you need to pee all the time. And um, I get up to pee two or three times during the night. Fun fact. And sometimes I dream that when I've peed, I've had blood everywhere. And then the next morning, like I've had another miscarriage and the next morning I wake up and I have no idea if it actually happened or not. Like, was it a dream or did it happen last night? And I cried and went back to sleep. I can't remember. So that's been really trippy. Do you know what the (laughs) science behind those uh, vivid dreams are? Is there a different chemical going on in your brain? What's, What's happening there? So a lot of it is to do with like you have heaps of um, the, the chemical that's being pumped into you basically is progesterone, um, which is, you know, when women are PMSing, like premenstrual yeah. stress, and they're in this phase in their cycle called the luteal phase, which is often like the most kind of up and down phase of a woman's cycle. They're usually really like upset moody at times um tired struggling to cope basically a pregnancy is like an entire pms phase and so you have these huge spikes in hormones and you also have these massive like hot flushes and i think that because pregnant women run so hot and they say heat makes you have really vivid dreams like when you feel warm as does dairy, <laughs> um, but obviously I'm being in a, a dairy, but yeah, being hot all the time makes us feel really like have these crazy dreams because we all have them. Um, and I sleep with like a fan on full blast on top of me and then I have another fan next to my face. <laughs> being in pregnancy is like being in constant uh, PMS phase, which is always fun and enjoyable for all i'm sure but look overall it's actually been pretty um good i think the hard part is waiting between scans and stuff and ultrasounds to know that everything is progressing well and also like um social media you know how tiktok um really caters its views to you so i used to be getting all of these cute videos of babies and here's how to swaddle a baby etc and now all of a sudden all of my tiktok feed is women talking about i lost a baby at eight months pregnant i lost a baby at six months pregnant i didn't know i'm like fuck (laughs) so that anxiety has been so um like real i think even now at six months pregnant i'm still like don't get too excited yet till basically till the baby's born (laughs) just stay chill um yeah and then you never know yeah oof tiktok it's really uh i know bringing up the anxiety levels there yeah i should just say designed to do (laughs) yeah exactly i should just say i'm not interested in those videos so they stopped coming up i didn't think of that about that until now but um yeah have you have you ever talked about having a baby with your partner no it's not something we've uh addressed it's it's i I would like to have a family one day uh but it's not something i'm um looking at doing in the probably not even in the next two three or four years you know maybe my early 30s um i'm 28 now so uh, I haven't actually talked to her about it. Um, I know she also wants to have a family. Oh, it just okay. seems like this kind of distant right. thing um, right now. So Yeah, well, she's, she's still... halfway through studying. Like that would be, imagine doing a psych degree and then having kids straight after that. Massive financial investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a topic we've really uh, gone into any depth about yet. But, wow. Uh, but you know, you day. know that she wants kids or you think she wants kids she's we've we've said we both want to have kids one day right. then we were we were discussing how many but uh uh it's not something either of us will want you know anytime soon so um we haven't had a sort of long conversation about it um 
How many do you want? Uh, well, I'd want at least two because I don't want my kid to grow up as an only child. No offense to any only child. <laughs> you all suck. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, two or three, I guess, just the classic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not the one birthing them. So <laughs> yeah. What about yeah. you? How many would you ideally want? Well, we'll um we will see, I guess, after the first one like you said about how birthing goes because of my back issues, I'm I'm not going to be able to have a pain-free birth. So, um that might be too traumatizing for me to go all natural, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Um but we we really want to um foster, so that's important to us. Um and maybe you know go and get go into guardianship, or we think actually maybe we would like to foster uh, be like short term foster carers, which is basically where like you have kids for two to three years consistently while you work. They work with their family, so the kids can go home eventually and things like that, or go to other family members like aunties and uncles. Um, or if family's not available, then you can decide like you know would they like to live here full time. So we both would like to. Um, definitely explore that, but not until our first baby is old enough to communicate properly because, you know, unfortunately children from trauma, um, can, you know, reenact some of that abuse and things like that on other children. Um, just, I see that sometimes at my work and it's not a risk I'm entirely comfortable with because these kids come into your care. You don't know anything, um, about them. You don't get told much at all. So... We'll um, definitely consider that when he's like three. Maybe have a second baby. Who knows? But it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like financial um, consideration as well, which I haven't ever thought about until now. But I was like, shit, if I, if I had this baby and then I stopped working for a year, then I go back and work for whatever year and then have another baby. That's like at least two years I have to take off work. And I actually earn the most money like I'm like the breadwinner of of our relationship um so that's a interesting kind of like thing to consider especially because you know Adrian's like look we've bought this house be really nice to upgrade to a bigger house like he really wants a property like a little farm um and I'm like well we're not gonna be making any money (laughs) like what (laughs) that would just I don't know like that's scary to me to like spend over you know a lot of money on um a farm where i've never seen a farm for under like 1.5 around here so to spend that and then not be able to work as well it's just weird to me i don't know how people do it but i guess we'll find out (laughs) yeah because there's so many uh yeah because you 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 got more costs obviously with the with the baby there and then you've got um more than more than likely limited income with uh, one partner almost certainly not able to work. Uh, mm. And what's the maternity leave situation like with your work? What's so uh, the situation there? I only there? get six weeks paid leave from my work and that's it. So that's like, I think that's like this minimum in Australia, but pretty standard across all organizations that you get six weeks. Adrian's entitled to two weeks paternity leave. Um, but his work doesn't even pay that. I think it's, he has to apply from that through like a government subsidy. Um, and then Ad- Adrian's mum is a childcare worker as well. And she works in daycares. And she was saying like, you need to start looking at daycares now, even though, you know, I'm currently halfway through a pregnancy. So he wouldn't go into daycare for another year and a half um, when he's, you know, a year old. You need to enroll now. So I started doing a little bit of research and even after government subsidies, it's still like $110 a day. So it's like, it's pretty wild when you Whoa. think, you know, you're going to be spending basically $600 a week to go back to work. Um, so after the subsidy, which I don't even know if I'll be eligible for because maybe we make too much with both of our incomes. So then it's like $190 a day or something. It's wild. It's so expensive. Yeah, wow. There really are a lot of uh, financial concerns there. It's mm. uh, it's interesting. I've always thought there's like positives and negatives with the more you know the the ethnic 
extended family network where a lot of people will still live with their parents and or at very least live very close to them, have a very yeah. strong relationship with them where they actually have shown uh, studies where I, I think it was sort of Asian immigrants in America tend to have a lot of support from the grandmother. Uh, mm. So the grandmother will often just sometimes even raise the kid more than the, <laughs> will spend wow. more time with the baby yeah. than the and the mother because the mother because they're also very career oriented and um they want to get back to work as soon as possible and they found that really helps but uh that's a cultural thing you know a lot of people Mm. i don't want to live with my parents anymore (laughs) if i as long as i you know no no shame in anyone who does but ideally i don't want to (laughs) nothing against them but like that freedom so is that something you've you've thought about you know you're now in the central coast and um did you say your parents also are up there or they're still in Sydney? Yeah, yeah, my parents live up here. Um, okay, okay. So they would definitely be, I mean, they're both retired. Um, so they're definitely, it's just one of those things though. It's like, it's kind of like when you're getting married and you don't want to ask, how much are you going to contribute to my wedding financially? Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know how to broach that being like, hey, would you consider looking after my child one day a week or something? Um, my mom says it, but she's very like, my mom says things and then forgets that she says things all the time. And she'll be like, I never said that. So I don't want to expect it. Um, but Adrian's mom has offered um, and she said she'll look after him like one or two days a week, which would like help so much. But it also means that because she lives in Sydney, that's one or two sleepovers every week um, with my mother-in-law. Mm. And I for a whole like year at minimum, I don't know if, like I could do that and I love her and she's such a nice person but it's just like you know it's your mother-in-law <laughs> um, of course yeah I, I yeah I don't know it's just weird I don't know yeah oh I'll so was, would that be you know you go there with the baby and no she said she would when I want to return to work when baby's like one that she would come up and spend like a night or something here so she could uh, say I'll yeah, come up yeah. Thursday stay the night, look after him Friday uh, while you work. So, yeah, she'd be sleeping over at our place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look. Uh, yeah. Pros and cons. Gotta, Pros and cons, definitely. Because you got to weigh it all out. That's very true. I, I remember when we were, we weren't even that young, but my dad's mother um, came and lived with us. And then there were just, yeah, a lot of fights between my mum and Oh, really? <laughs> and the grandma, yeah, yeah, didn't really uh, turn out too well. But, uh, yeah, she eventually had to move out. And it's uh, a very different dynamic when your parents move back in. I mean, bless yeah. them. It's not like anyone's done anything bad, almost certainly, yeah. and in our situation. But it was just a clash and, you know, that lack of freedom. And um, mother-in-laws always do tend to be nosy sometimes but on both sides uh no offense to any mother-in-laws listening but it just it just it is what it is and it can get frustrating but at the same time that support and that help is uh it can be you know if you get it if you get a night off in that situation that would be a godsend yeah especially because like my friends are in sydney so i can't be like hey pop over and babysit for me like i need some time or whatever it's not really gonna work like that and then his his mother-in-law is so like she's very chill like very non-dramatic but the thing is is that because you know adrian and i've only been together for like um two years so a lot of our all of our interactions have been really positive like kind of surface level like where she's like i really like eliza she's so sweet and that's kind of like the nature of our relationship um because i only see her every so often for like breakfast or lunch or something together so she doesn't um the idea that like it, it wouldn't be comfortable to clash one time you know like a, that the thought of that would be so stressful whereas adrian sees my mom five times a week or whatever like because he well he was working for my mom heaps like her friends uh, mowing all their lawns and doing all of their landscaping so they all he'd pop over to my mom's every day for lunch for like literally daily so they have a really like tight relationship where he knows my mom can be what she's like (laughs) so it wouldn't be stressful if she had a hissy fit about something or a tantrum because he's like yeah well that's that's tanya (laughs) we know what she's like whereas if it was the other way around i'd be like so stressed 
if I'm upset as mum or something like that. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different dynamic when when you um, meet someone every now and again yeah. and, and actually living with them. You, yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you see all sides of a person when you live with them. It's no different when a couple uh, finally when they move in together. Um, and you know, me, me and my girlfriend, we still she still lives with her parents. Well, because yeah. she's ethnic, but you know. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. I know, I well, know it's going to be very different when we, well, if if and when we do eventually move in together, it just changes the dynamic completely. Something. She, has she lived with mind. a partner before? No, I don't think she has. No. Yeah. Would no. her parents like support that if she moved out? Do you think? Uh, probably not while she's studying. No. Yeah. 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 Afterwards, I, yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't know, but probably not while she's studying. Although then again, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, Would you, yeah. you're kind of like, you're chill in the sense that you actually like that the dynamic of your relationship, right? And that, like, if I was in your position, I'd be like, oh my God, we need to be thinking about moving in. Like, I'd be, it'd be killing me to be two years into a relationship and not living with them. But you like that, right? Because you're so yeah, busy and you do so much from your home as well, like all your filming and stuff and your skits or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's very di- it's it's even different to moving in with someone who just has a normal job where they're out and about for eight hours, eight to ten hours a day and then come back and you still mm. are missing each other and you know, you have that yeah. time apart. Whereas if if especially if she was also working from home, which she might be eventually she might be doing telehealth or something but if mm. both of us are in a one-bedroom apartment working from home you know it's not that it can't work but it's just a very different dynamic too there. small yeah you yeah need the space yeah absolutely so um yeah i'm very happy with how it is now and mm. uh not really lo- neither of us are really looking to take that next step yet we're, we're quite happy with how it is and we're very similar yeah. in that we just like our alone time anyway so that's good that's it's not good. like anyone's you know desperately wanting it whereas the other person's not and it is unique every other relationship there's there's been a point where you sort of think all right when are we going to move in together or we, yeah. we actually do move in together so uh but yeah also having read so many books i just know how much uh cohabitating can transform the dynamic of a relationship so is it something that you like subconsciously fearful about just like not specifically with your girlfriend but just in general i don't think so i don't think i'm fearful of it i just know that it really does change the dynamic and it's something i'd make or i'd want to make sure i'd have a different setup um first and yeah. you know we, we sort of figure out how we're going to give each other you know our, our space and our time and things that we just have a, have to have a, like that sort of a chat about it and uh, ease into it I'd, I'd say you know first she was coming over once a week and now um she's coming over two or three times sometimes staying you know for half the week so it's already it's it's you know it's moving towards that but I'd, mm. I'd, i i wanted to do it so that we eased into that rather than you know seeing each other once a week and then boom moving in together yeah definitely would you if she lived with you in your current apartment um and she was like i don't know still studying or working from home would you continue to film your skits and be like, look, like if she was like in the bedroom <laughs> or would you feel really awkward doing that? Like knowing that you have to uh, kind of like film it a few times and getting to a character, like, does that make well, you feel awkward? I'd have to, I'd have to. Would have I'd to be so stressed. There. I'd be yeah, like, put the headphones mean, in, don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm a very, I've got a very unique job in that sense. So I'd, I'd try yeah. and coordinate it when she was out, out of the house, but. Um, if there ever is a situation where I'm like, yeah, look, I'm going to have to film and most of my filming involves yelling and swearing. So <laughs> yeah, just put your headphones on there. Um, but, uh, the couple, couple next door, uh, they just had a baby is, and they're in a, oh. they're also in a one bedroom. They're now moving out. Uh, but yeah, they lived there for, mm. they were together for either, uh, at least a year, probably longer. Right. And then, they, yeah, they had the baby there and everything, but yeah even they they're now saying we'd they'd like more space so yeah um it's a look it's a great apartment for one person and a cat and even a couple <laughs> could comfortably live here but yeah i don't know about look you can li- i mean look throughout history this was the norm for you'd have like five kids in a tiny little shack and yeah 
they were fine True. at the end of the day. So, you know, it, it's probably a bit of a uh, Western luxurious mindset to think, oh, yeah. five bedrooms and the giant garden <laughs> or whatever. But, but at, it makes at sense the same time, well, yeah, it yeah. does make sense. And yeah. if you can afford that, it's it's probably better for the for the for the children and and for the and for the relationship Um, yeah it's hard like i have a friend that had a baby living in a small apartment and she was like the hardest part is that one like when you're so overwhelmed and your partner says i'll take the baby you can't just walk downstairs or you know walk outside into your garden you just have to you like remain in a state of being so overwhelmed because you're you can't escape it and then you just feel like well he's hungry he needs me it's still as the mother whatever so you feel obligated to do it and also the other thing she said was that when you're in a tiny apartment because she was in like a kind of like a studio-ish apartment she was like you can't walk anywhere like you can't like walk around hushing your baby you just have to walk from one end of the room to the other like two meters <laughs> um yeah. can't go on these big like walks or, around the house or down the street and stuff like that without it just being a big effort so i mean but yeah like you said like it, that's a definitely a first world problem um yeah. to experience but it's it's a weird thing to like take into consideration my friends actually just bought an apartment um the same time we bought this house so like maybe june last year and she was like it was in Sydney and it's right like near the city. So it was quite expensive, but really small. Um, and she was like, well, you know, it's so nice just for the two of us. We could never have children in here though. But like when we want to have babies, we'll um, move out and buy a house or move like a little bit out of the city so we can afford a house. And, you know, the profit of buying an apartment in the city, it'll do really well, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they've decided now they want to have babies like sick not even a year yeah. after yeah. they bought the place Ooh. so <laughs> all that yeah. stamp duty yeah so they, well they're just going to stay in the apartment um, oh okay yeah, yeah and just deal with it um, yeah i mean i'm sure you can right it's it probably is i'm sure there's people who've grown up in that situation and maybe this is coming across as with as an elitist kind of thing like i mean, I mean i've got cousins in india that uh, there's, so, oh, I don't even know how, there's a lot of them in a very small apartment <laughs> and they're, and they're doing fine. They're great. Yeah. So yeah, look, you can definitely manage in any situation if there's, um, proper support and, and things. Um, I know that there's like a corridor here and they'd always, uh, take their baby for a walk Aww. along the corridor. So Aww, that's, yeah. I watched a, um, very video sweet. on, um, it was on YouTube. I don't know what it was called, but it was like these couple, this couple, uh, so, you know, your average white basic couple, but they kept having children and they lived in a two bedroom apartment and one bedroom was dedicated to the couple and they had 10 children, 10, um, in this tiny apartment. So they showed like Jesus. the room and that they had like, you know, double bunk beds and then they had like cupboards where you could pull out another bed that pops out and this little single chair that you pull out another one. So these kids were all like slammed into this room and then the baby gets to sleep in the big bed with mom and dad and and two other kids were sleeping on the couch because they had like, they were all, it was 10 under 10. I think that was even the name maybe, but um, oh, good on <laughs> no, them. <laughs> fuck that. Super um, mom. It was like so frustrating. It was interesting because, you know, hearing you talk about your cousins, I'm so like, yeah, like that's such culturally accepted and it it brings no red flags to me whatsoever hearing that. Um, And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. They would love that. And then I think about this one American white couple that I'm like, oh my God, this is so unethical. Like what about the children when they're teenagers? Where are they going to sleep? These kids are going to have no privacy ever. Like... Why do they keep birthing these children when they can't afford to look after it? And then um, it must have been a show dedicated because they also had another family with like eight kids that lived on a bus um, together. Well, and it yeah. was just <laughs> so insane. <laughs> What's his name? Perite, the uh, the premier. He's probably doing that. Oh, yeah. Right? It, <laughs> how many has he got? He's got seven. And he's only okay. th- and he's not even 40, I think. So Wow. Uh, well, more impressive for his wife. He, you know, contributed, Honestly, sure. I just but, don't uh, know why. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I heard in America from, I think, 
the 1700s to basically the to the turn of the 20th century uh the average amount of kids was in certain states the average amount of kids was 10 or something like that and because so many people had a sort of property and it was a very agrarian society they did live on farms and basically by the age of eight i'm sure the kids were probably you know farm hands and picking you know contributing wow. to the household i'd assume uh but that's why the population in america grew so rapidly there was just this immense amount of land and and it's sort of resource well i mean they obviously there's ethical things with the natives there and everything there but uh mm. As far as they were concerned, the the land that was then farmland, and they just they just, because they were all very Christian, uh, they had on average ten kids, and and the population just boomed um, through. I think it was the nineteenth. It, it was either the nineteenth or the eighteenth century, and wow, yeah, that was the norm. Uh, not that long ago, that was that was the yeah. norm. I mean, even th- through the industrial age, I'm sure even many of our uh, grandparents, great grandparents, yeah. were my great great grandparents were one of 12 or something one of nine well 12 and then three died in childbirth which which was normal um and then so there's like i have uh, uh, so many third cousins i think or four or (laughs) however whatever uh, level of cousin that is and then it gets to sort of first and second cousins i've got like three you know (laughs) um so that's wild it's so crazy and it's so interesting like how it's in certain religions as well they do that like a mormon community etc but i I watched a video on people that have a um it was a documentary on people that have like a a breeding fetish oh shorty (laughs) put her face in the camera i haven't seen her in so long shorty oh she can't hear me Oh, she looks so she grumpy. Looks so evil. <laughs> oh, hi, cutie. <laughs> Don't be there sad. That's my baby. That's all I need. <laughs> she looks just like you. Bit yeah. cuter though. <laughs> oh, look how sweet she is. I miss her. <laughs> She's like, this never happens. I never get called to the mic. <laughs> I just like putting my butthole in the camera. (laughs) Yeah, that's what she usually does. (laughs) Oh, she's so cute. I miss her. One day I'll just try to get Nelly up here. Then that'll be a nuisance. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I haven't seen seen her. Yeah. Well, I'm trying not to to teach her to stop fucking stomping on my pregnant stomach all the time. (laughs) She's getting jealous. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's so clumsy. It kills me. Um, but yeah, I was watching this documentary about people with a breeding fetish. And what was interesting is that it all happened to be men with like, um, that lived in significantly lower economic communities um, that struggled severely financially. And they, one of them had like a, a breast milk fetish. So it wasn't even that he was Jesus. had a fetish for breeding. It was that he literally, um, she had to keep having children so that she could satisfy this fetish of his. And I was like, surely there so is wait, another. <laughs> was he drinking it? Yeah, she's nursing him from oh from the tit. Um, yeah, and she was just popping out. <laughs> 10 children Jesus Christ just to satisfy a fetish like imagine these kids watching this documentary as adults and thinking I was born for the purpose of satisfying my dad's breastfeeding (laughs) fetish Um, it's just like yeah people like that have way too many kids and smart people (laughs) well you know say the whole what does smart really mean and things like that but uh look let's just say this there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't be having kids that are having far too many kids yeah some of the men on on that show had 40 50 kids um literally so so how i mean do they just have a bunch of what side side chicks or yeah like a million mothers like and the women did the women know about that or they were just yeah. again you know charmed and or were the men good looking no were they rich no were they even nice no they just knew what kind of women to pick 
Um, uh, and one of the yeah. guys was like 55 and he had a 21 year old girlfriend and she was pregnant <laughs> with their second child. And I was like, oh, fuck. She's just. Wow. Imagine being like, and he's really open with her. He's like, yeah, I've, I've got 37 children, um, you know, 14 baby moms kind of thing. And she's like, okay, yeah, cool. Is he, is this, was it white trash or was it? Yeah, it was, okay. it's called like, um, if you look up on YouTube, it's like British men with the most babies or something. <laughs> I don't, it comes oh, up British, recommended okay. for me. Yeah. Yeah, that one was well. British, those guys are single-handedly <laughs> probably keeping the fertility rate above whatever it is, one point five, or yeah, you know, it's very low yeah, here in Western exactly. Western countries. So uh, I'm sure those guys are skewing it, you know, quite dramatically. When it would probably <laughs> really be one point, you know, if you take out the outliers, who knows what it would actually be? So yeah, yeah. I guess that would have been throughout history. There were warlords that. Uh, just had plenty of children and then a lot of men died at war and that was the norm Mon monogamy wasn't necessarily around yeah. in every society i mean even even in western society it was in the i think the middle ages when the catholic church said you can only had one wife uh, i think yes. someone in the comments tell yeah. me if i got that wrong That's but right. yeah. uh it was it was seen as it wasn't immoral or what there was nothing I think it might have even been celebrated because if you're having more kids, you're having more kids for the society, more productive people yeah. and larger armies. And um, there's this really interesting YouTube channel I watch called What If All This Tea? just talks about future projections of the world and, uh, you know, alternate history and is uh, mm. very interesting. Uh, and he talks a lot about demographic um, concerns in, in certain countries where throughout history, countries that have had uh, lopsided demographic curves eventually go through some sort of economic, massive economic crisis because there's just not enough because, you know, they would have built infrastructure for whatever it would have been, 50 million people. And then um, if that population dwindles to 30 million, there's just not enough young able-bodied people to upkeep yeah. the in infrastructure and also there's more elderly people that are dependent and uh he actually uh he hypothesizes that a lot of the sort of the economic trends of the 20 latter half of the 21st century are going to be quite dependent on demographics and uh so wow. areas like north africa where there's a very high birth rate or even india they if they get their sort of political act together they they have the potential to become superpowers even whereas you know a country like russia has a very small it's it's population is estimated to half in the next in the coming decades and you know already this war is probably not helping it with mm. a lot of young men just i mean the death toll there already yeah. is astronomical and yeah. china has a has a very um you know lopsided population curve yeah. and uh these these things matter for the health of the country and you know it's very hard to have this conversation without coming across like oh women should just have more kids and it's not you know it's yeah they're not the same thing it's not the same thing at all it's so wild yeah and that's like why america has all these crazy abortion laws all of a sudden everywhere it's insane and they say it's religious but really you know apparently it's because ah, yeah it could be yeah they don't yeah. want a dwindling um population and recently like heaps of states just made ectopic pregnancies um illegal to be terminated and an ectopic pregnancy is has less than a 0.01 percent chance of surviving it's when a pregnancy like um uh kind of starts to form in your fallopian tube so it's not in your uterus or in your womb it's in the your, your tube and basically at one point it gets too big about the size of a peanut the baby dies but it also if it's not left untreated, kills the mother because she has a burst fallopian tube. So as soon as you find out you have an ectopic pregnancy, which is quite common, you have to get that removed, which is why sometimes you see women that have like two little, they look like little gunshot wounds kind of to the left of their belly button or to the right. That's from an ectopic pregnancy removal. And now you wow. can't even remove them legally. But if they stay in there, both the mother and the baby die. Like, 
Yeah. Where is the logic? It's a bit ridiculous there. Insane. Uh, It just blows Yeah, and when they don't allow it for you know, rape and things like that. It's, it's a yeah. bit, it's, it's or definitely. just for anything. God, just let people act. So working in the system just makes, obviously I would never say I wish the children in foster care I work with were never born, but working in the system makes, nothing will make you more pro-choice than seeing that because they're not any better off. Like the, what ends up happening is the parents don't want to keep children. They don't, they still don't want to keep the children after they have birth. They end up in the foster care system and, you know, it's really detrimental what can happen once you're in the system, as we all know. So it's just like, anyway, we'll go into an abortion uh, <laughs> um, topic because well, I'll get yeah, too heated, yeah. <laughs> too hormonal to bring, talk about fair that. Enough, it's just enough. so frustrating. I can't even comprehend these men making decisions like that um, for the whole of women um or and women making those decisions too like you have you seen those videos like of all the like uh religious people outside abortion clinics like and then people walk up to them they're like how many kids have you adopted how many kids have you ever fostered like no what have you ever done to actually support these women these 15 year old girls that were you know raped or whatever or don't want these children and can't financially support what have you done to support them nothing yeah, it's 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 lops. It's totally the wrong. It's a it's a reactionary sentiment when the, the the world has changed so much. You can't just go back to what it was. It's there needs to be a different. Well, look, actually, where I, sorry, yeah, you go, go on. No, you go. I was going to say Australia has a different approach, which is actually brand new, which is quite nice in that. Previously, up until like a month ago, and I might not be 100% accurate about this because I've only briefly looked into it um, and people started sending me articles on it. But up until a month ago, a woman can access from governance, government subsidy 18 months of, um, eight, sorry, 18 weeks of like minimum wage payment when they're on maternity leave, right? Hmm. Um, and last month, they changed it to 20 weeks which is only two weeks um, extra. But the difference is that they made it that not only the birth mother is the only person that's able to access it. So if the father stays at home, now he can be the one to access the 20 weeks government subsidy while the mother works. So I think that that's a big step in the right direction because previously, like when Adrian and I talked about, well, what if he stayed at home with the baby? He can't, we won't be eligible to receive any kind of subsidy or funding um, if we chose to do that. If I stay at home, we get almost five months of pay. (laughs) So now either one of us could and either one of us can get paid for it. So that's nice. Yeah, this is a, this is a very, (laughs) this is going to be a big issue of the next coming decades and it's one where yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm always changing my opinion and things, but I, I, I don't think an ideological approach to this is the right way forward. I think what uh, the, I, I don't like these terms left and right, but uh, more support uh, for, you know, maternity leave, paternity leave, all these things are great. They're going to help the, you know, they're going to encourage people to have children. They're going to make it easier. They're going to make the, the, the kid will, you know, not grow up in a stressful environment. And we'll probably become a better adult. It's likely. <laughs> so yeah. any support in that sense, even if you are a single person who's not having kids thinking, well, why are my taxes going towards someone who's choosing to have kids? This is for the good of the country. And I think these progressive initiatives are good. Um, where I am culturally can see where the right is coming from is that there's also there's a culture among a lot of millennials and Gen Z that think, oh, you know, having a family. And I, it wasn't that long ago where I thought about th- this as well. Like, oh, having a family, oh, it's outdated and, you know, I don't want to do mm. that and mm. I'll be trapped and all of that kind of thing. And yeah. no, that's, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I mean, mm. I've never, I haven't, I haven't had one yet. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll eat my words. We'll see. But uh, I, I don't think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a sort of, it's quite a cynical approach to something that has sort of been the basis of human uh, the, the continuance of human evolution in society for thousands and thousands of years. So, I mean, that's, I don't think that's a nice approach or mentality to have. And yeah, look, the, the, 
like you said, I don't think it's worth going into the ab- ab- abortion thing there. But I don't, I don't see how that's gonna. You, you know, if you want to increase the population, I don't see how bringing in, um, yeah, babies that the, where the mother doesn't want to have the child, and in all likelihood, it's going to be in a broken home, and you know, it's that's not, yeah. that's probably going to be a burden. That likely might be a burden to society. However, I do understand the the Christian ethos of like. Well, just because a life is a burden, that doesn't mean it doesn't have the right to. It, it is. I do mm. think I am. I am actually. Uh, I'm. I'm uh, on the left on that issue, but I. I, I do. I, I. I think I can understand the. Um. The Christian viewpoint a bit more, and the one thing I would say is like, I get it. If you're a really devout, uh, Christian or Muslim or religious person, if your taxes are going towards an uh, um. An abortion, I. I. I think there should be some system where like a religious person can opt out of it, like their taxes. They can say, I don't want my taxes going towards that. That, that the taxes I, even go towards that though? Cause you have to pay to get an abortion at $600. Well, yeah, I don't <laughs> in even know. In every country. So, yes. And okay. it's done privately. So okay, I don't well, even think that's a thing, but I do. That's an interesting point that I actually hadn't really considered it about, you know, the life being a burden to a parent doesn't mean it's a burden in general or whatever. Like it is, it makes sense, but it doesn't make a right, I guess. Yeah, 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 it's it is a yeah. very it's a it's a you know like people obviously have very very strong opinions on that. So yeah, like let's yeah. Not, I don't want to go <laughs> too far into that, but maybe one day we'll do it. We'll do a podcast on that one. Yeah, um, I love those shows. Um, that oh, what's it called on on YouTube? And they have like those two rows of people, and they're always like pro this against that. So pro choice, pro life, uh, and yeah. then. They'll say, who thinks this? And then they come up and they sit on the chairs and then they have to talk it out really rationally, really maturely and state their viewpoints. Um, so it's an interesting thing to watch. I watched the one on um, abortion and there was one girl from both sides where one girl had had an abortion because she had been like raped her entire uh, childhood and fell pregnant from it. And she was like, I would never provide for this child. I wanted nothing to do with this child. It reminded me of my trauma. And then the girl from the other side that was pro-life had virtually the exact same experience as her and was like, this was what saved me. This is how I got through it. And it's just really interesting how it's like both of their experiences and views are so fair and so valid. Like this one girl was saved by a baby and this one girl was like, this baby was forced inside me by no choice of my own and I was a child myself so I guess you know like we always say both sides make a point no matter what it is um yeah yeah interesting to look at I definitely have my (laughs) my views but yeah it's always interesting to see both sides yeah yeah uh it seems to be a very hot 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 topic in America uh and might come to the fore a bit more in Australia with because you, a lot of migrant populations are very conservative, and I'd I'd, yes. I'd guess they're very pro-life. That's my, yeah. I'll guess, but I don't know. You know, maybe their kids, and by the time it gets to second, third generation, they they'd be more pro-choice. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's mm. stick clear of that. Let's let's think. Let's end the podcast on more of a positive note. And uh, what uh, what final. Uh, if there's anyone listening whose uh, partner is pregnant or is pregnant, uh, what uh, final concluding words of advice would you have? Um, satisfy your cravings or satisfy your partner's cravings as soon as possible. And it just it's happy, easy, breezy days. But for those that are not pregnant um, and you're wondering about, like, should I get pregnant? Should I do this or whatever? It's like make sure you're a thousand percent certain on it um and talk about every single possible thing with your um partner prior to getting pregnant actually just really quickly i had my friends up the other weekend um and another one of my couples when i was talking about that wanting to get pregnant this year that bought the apartment it was really interesting because we were talking about something like little boys like toddlers wearing dresses and her partner had said, I wouldn't let my little boy wear a dress. And she was really offended by that and was like, why does that make you uncomfortable? If it's a two-year-old, why can't he wear a dress? Like, let him dress up. Blah, blah, blah. And I said to her afterwards, 
I was like, if you're planning on having a baby with him this year, you know, both regardless of who's right or wrong or whatever, you need to be on the same page with literally everything. Like Adrian and I talked about parenting styles, schooling, how we discipline. Uh, we talked about little boys and dresses. And he was like, if he wanted to wear frozen you know, a frozen dress to the movies. I'd wear a frozen dress with him. I don't care. Like that's kind of like we agree on everything. We even talked about what happens if we split up. How would we do um, like how would we split the time with the kids? We'd do one week on, one week off. Like do we put that in writing? Like talk about literally everything, um, religion, money. So none of these things come as a surprise to you only after you're pregnant, which if you spend five minutes in Reddit relationships, you see happens all the time. Um, so definitely hash that out. <laughs> oh yeah. And especially in this day and age, that's, uh, those sorts of cultural things are something you should both be on the same page yeah. about. And, uh, yeah, this is an extra thing to, to think about that parents probably didn't need to think about, um, yeah. 20, 30 years ago. So yeah. good advice there. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, uh, Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the experience. It does sound like it's 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 very uh, it's painful at times, but I'm sure it'll be very very rewarding. And yeah. uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, crush crushorganics.com. That's crush with a K. Use the code Neil forty percent off. Come see me live. Follow Eliza on Instagram. Follow Sex Sales Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. And we'll see you next time. See you next week.